Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week we've got something a little bit different. Since having a spin on a friend's e-bike in his garden, I've been really keen to give one a proper go and see how I actually feel about them. As it happened, Marin were launching their new Alpine Trail e-bike and were willing to lend me one for a month and support this episode of the show. I'm going to be sitting down with Ben Planger and Ollie Morris, who both have a lot of experience of e-bikes, to chat about the positives and negatives that they bring to us and our sport. Before I do that, I want to tell you a little bit about the new Marin Alpine Trail and how I got on with it. Right from the off, you can see that this bike is designed to make descending as much fun as possible. It's got a pretty long reach, a 63 degree head angle and a mullet setup. Combine that with 160mm Fox 38s up front and a Fox DHX2 coil sprung 150mm rear end and you've got a bike that will take on and eat up anything you can throw at it. It's also running the new Shimano EP8 motor which is impressively quiet and has more than enough power for anyone. I was pretty nervous about my first ride on the bike, like e-bikes, they're not light and I was worried that the bike would be a real handful and that the added weight would make it feel very different from riding a regular mountain bike and take away a lot of what I enjoy, but I needn't have worried. When you point this thing downhill, it feels like a mountain bike and a super fun one at that. The mullet setup combined with a crazy grip that a two and a half Asagai up front and a 2.8 DHR two out back brings means that this thing rails turns and begs to be chucked into corners as hard as you'd like. Yeah, you've got to be aware that you're slowing down much more weight, but the awesome four-pot SLX brakes pulling on big 203mm rotors are more than capable of reining it in. The addition of the motor assist means that even climbing now becomes fun. If you're just wanting to get back to the top of the trail, you can easily hammer up fire roads at, I say, 12, 15 mile an hour and get in way more laps. But they also make technical climbing a really interesting challenge. Working with the motor and the calibration of the bike, you can really get up some insane obstacles. On my first ride out, I managed to crash the bike both up and downhill, and both times it left me in a heap on the floor, chuckling at how much fun this thing really is. Marin have the slogan made for fun and after spending a month with a new Alpine trail I've got no doubt that it delivers that in spades. Every time I rode the bike it put a smile on my face and I never tired of the ability to ride uphill at such insane speeds. The bike went back to Marin on Friday and I can genuinely say that I was sad to see it go. It would definitely be a great fun bike to have around and also an amazing training tool. I feel like I progressed my riding technique faster than ever just purely due to the amount of trail time you get on this bike. Now, no e-bike is going to be considered cheap, but Marin have done a great job in specking these bikes to make sure that they focus on the key components that make the bike ride well, but they've worked hard to deliver that at what I think is pretty impressive pricing. The top spec E2 version that I was riding comes in at £5,695. If you want to see what they look like and find out more about the new Alpine Trail, then just head to marinbikes.com after the bikes go live at 8am PST on the 1st of December. This episode is also supported by We Are One Composites. You should know by now that I'm a massive fan of what We Are One are doing, making amazing carbon wheels and cam loops in Canada. I've been on their wheels for nearly three years now and I've been super impressed. I currently have their Faction 29er rims on my bike and they look and feel amazing. You can see by the finish just how much attention to detail goes into these wheels and you can feel it in the ride. They found that perfect balance between being stiff enough to go where you put them but flexible enough that they're forgiving and don't ping off every obstacle on the trail like some carbon wheels do. As a downtime listener and as it's coming up to Christmas, We Are One have got an amazing discount for you. For the month of December, you can get 20% off any of their stock wheels and bars by using the code SANTAGIVES20 over at the checkout. That's SANTAGIVES followed by the number 20, all as one word. 
Head to weareonecomposites.com now and check out what they have to offer. Don't forget to make sure you subscribe to the show. It's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it's there. It's super easy to do with buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. While you're there, you can also join my newsletter for a weekly dose of interesting bike related stuff. If you want to support the show, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop and grab yourself a treat. We've got t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies, all 100% organic, printed to order and shipped with no single use plastic. Massive thank you to everyone who's ordered them so far. I really hope you enjoy wearing them. If you're not already, then please give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's a really nice way for me to be able to interact a little bit more with the listeners. So the more who follow, the better. All right, it's time to sit down and chat e-bikes with Ben and Ollie. Like them or not, e-bikes are coming and the growth of e-bikes globally is huge. So it's definitely time to at least understand them and look at some of the challenges and the benefits that they bring. This is what we set out to do in this episode. So without further ado, here's Ben Planger and Ollie Morris. Okay, we've got two guests this week to chat about the ups and the downs of e-bikes. And uh, first off, it's Ben Plunger. Welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. How's things? Yeah, good. It seems like five minutes since the last one. <laughs> We're locked down again, but they're going to open the gym soon. So, yeah, here we go. Definitely, man. Yeah, just for people that maybe haven't listened to your latest episode or even any episodes, it's possible. Be surprised, but you never know. Just remind people who you are and what it is you do. Yeah, I run the Strength Factory. So I provide performance coaching for people in action sports, but mostly mountain bikers. Um, and the other thing that I guess makes my appearance today a bit more relevant as well is that I test bikes for UK website Wide Open. Um, and I've probably ridden 12 to 15 different e-bikes in the last few years since I popped my e-bike cherry. <laughs> Perfect. We got the right man for the job. Yeah. And also, Ollie Morris, welcome back. How's things with you, man? Hello, Chris. Yeah, I'm really good, thank you. Yeah, um, obviously been a very odd year, COVID year of just sort of doing nothing at times and then super busy at other times. But um, no, good. And looking forward to speaking about e-bikes. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we do that, remind people, we did an episode together, it was, I think, February 2018, so it's quite a while back now, oh, yeah. and we talked about kind of the mental side of mountain biking and mindset and approach. If people are interested, they should scroll back and find that. But just remind people what it is that you do and, uh, yeah, how you fit into the mountain bike world. Yeah, sure, yeah. So um, I suppose my uh, primary role is as a mountain bike coach. I've got a company called ProRide Mountain Bike Coaching, Um which is, uh, yeah, takes up most of my time. Uh, but on top of that, I work with Laurie and Emis Mondraker, um, which was my first year this year. So it was a limited amount of work that I did, um, uh, which, yeah, made it quite interesting to say the least. Um, and then on top of that, I race myself. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, getting on a bit, but still racing. Still an elite level racer there, yeah? Trying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. The younger kids coming through. I bet, mate. Yeah. yeah. Fair play. Well, all right, Ben, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about your first e-bike experience and how that went for you, because that's the that's the big moment when you first get to swing a leg over one and have a go, right? Yeah, it is that, you know, I'd say to you, anyone listening, if you're thinking about e-bikes, don't have a go on one or ride one until you're actually in a position to be able to buy one, because well, once, <laughs> yeah. once you've ridden one, you can't forget that feeling of, whizzing up the hill basically and getting a mad amount of laps in and I just remember obviously putting it straight into turbo mode or boost mode because why not 
you know, why why would you use the other modes? And um, and just flying around, just my local woods, nothing big, nothing gnarly. And I was like, oh, right, I can all of a sudden do 10 laps in an hour instead of three or whatever. And I thought, okay, this is, a, this is something else here. And the climbs became a bit more interesting. Um, and yes, it was... It was heavy. It was like a big beast. And when I was trying to break where I would normally break, like, and I know these trails very well. So if I ride it on a trail bike, I know where I normally pull the brakes. When I, when I did it on the e-bike, it was too late, basically. And I had too much momentum, too much weight. And despite the extra grip, I was like going straight through corners, riding through bushes. And yeah, but once you figure out, you know, you've got to break a little earlier, set up a little earlier. And the fact you get so many more laps, I thought, okay, hang on, like, there's some, there's something, something to here. this. Yeah. yeah. How long ago was that? Just give people some context. Um, I'm gonna take a stab at two and a half. Okay. Years. Yeah, yeah. Ago. Quite some, a while. Yeah, I reckon spring eighteen, something like that. Yeah. I might be a little out. Okay. Uh, fair yeah. play, Ollie. What about you? <laughs> I uh, I did my first one with wide open mag actually. Years oh, yeah. ago, years and years and years ago, uh, one of the early ones. And uh, naturally, I had the initial turn it on and enjoyed going fast and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but the thing broke halfway through. Luckily, we got to the top of the hill for the filming. So, uh, but by the time we got to the top, the thing had broken. I don't actually think it was that bad, the break, but I just didn't have a clue how to fix it. They were so new, and nor did the guy sh- uh, filming. So we... Um, uh, luckily, like I said, we're at the top of the hill and the rest of it was just pushing up different sections. Um, so I enjoyed that, but wasn't really, the geometry was a mile out, nothing was right kind of thing. I then back in again about two years ago. And uh, again, I was on a bike that was probably a bit too big for me. It wasn't set up well for me because I was borrowing it from a brand manager. And, uh, and I just remember... Um, absolutely loving it and offering the brand manager to buy it off them for full retail price at the time because I was like I needed this and my main priority as a racer I was like I just it was going into the winter and I was like my main priority was like get me on this bike so I can get extra miles in through the winter to prepare me for next year yeah. so and that's saying a lot because you would I assume you were getting free bikes at the time for yeah the racing and yeah. Riding, yeah oh yeah I was being given bikes but I was like take my money yeah yeah um I Probably there was an element of excitement, as Ben was saying, you know, that kind of thing of like, yeah, just um, just loving the fact it got you to the top really quick. Um, but yeah, like I say, we did, you know, a handful of runs in no time. Everyone's heard that sort of stuff and, and absolutely loved it. So yeah, oodles amount of excitement and just wanted to get one straight away. I had to wait about two or three months till they actually came in the UK at the time. So yeah. Fair play. Yeah, I guess I was a bit more, uh, I guess a bit nervous of the first time right because it felt like such a big unit like i don't have a van so i've got to pick this thing up lay it on its side and stuff it in the back of a car which you know there aren't many light e-bikes around Man, that's um, hard. Yeah. so yeah it was i i guess because of that experience with it i was kind of nervous about whether i would be able to ride it and i rode somewhere so i rode stainburn forest and uh the trails there there's like a mixture of some sort of janky rocky stuff that's not particularly steep but it's kind of hard to carry speed through well and then there's some steep kind of natural not super techie but tight stuff which i was like i'm never gonna be able to slow this thing down anyway i managed to crash it uphill and downhill on the first ride which was pretty exciting (laughs) but yeah it just put a massive grin on my face i think so for starters 
being able to get back up the hill at about 12, 13 mile an hour fairly easily was yeah. a bit of a game changer. I think I did like nine runs in an hour and a half where I'd normally get four, yeah. maybe five at a push and be very tired. And I wasn't particularly tired. And then, yeah, downhill, I accidentally left it in turbo mode and uh, made a minor mistake and sort of, t- I think, tapped the pedal to kind of help push the yeah. bike back onto the track. But obviously in turbo mode, it's set to kick in fairly aggressively. So I just got a, like a big smack of energy that sent me off into the bushes. But it was uh, it was all good fun. But yeah, like I was surprised how they like dynamically it felt like a mountain bike. I really thought it was going to feel like I was rolling downhill on a motocross bike. Well, I have to say, I treated it like a motocross bike on the first ride, as in I was trying to like wheel spin out. I was trying so hard to wheel spin out of corners, like like go in and slide and then try to pedal out. But the delay of them like kicking in, I think was too late. If, uh-huh. if they were a little bit earlier, it was possible. But so if, although that's changed slightly now, I should do that again. But my, I, was, I was like, this is like a motocross bike that I can actually ride because yeah. I'm rubbish at motocross. Yes. So it's like, but it's like, feels more like a mountain bike. So yeah, I see, yeah. see that. Yeah. What, what do you think about the weight element of the bikes? Cause they are, I mean, no doubt they will get lighter over time, mm-hmm. but right now they're, they're noticeably heavier than a normal bike. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is funny, isn't it? And you, you think about like crossover to your normal lightweight trail bike or enduro bike or whatever as well, maybe. Um, I mean, sometimes I guess they do feel like they just plow through stuff and there are definitely some e-bikes out there that just like to be off the brakes and just smashing through in a straight line rather than that sort of light, poppy, lively trail feel that a lot of us like and enjoy. Um, So I think there's a difference there. I mean, you can obviously set it up so it's faster suspension Mm -hmm. and stuff, but it's still not going to quite feel the same like when you push into an e-bike i think that what you get back from the ground is a little different to your normal bike it's more muted yeah muted is a good word to to describe it chris um and so i think you've just got to accept that that it is different but you know if you if you really want to though if you really put a a bit of body language into it and you know i'm sure ollie with the skills can do that as well then then we've all seen like the mad things people can do on e-bikes like Chris Smith down at Wind Hill backflipping and Phil Atwill doing mm. disgusting things on them. So we can't say then they're too maneuver, they're too heavy and not maneuverable. Mm. Sure, um, yeah. It's just, there is a learning curve like anything. They are heavier. They do respond a little slower. And sometimes that's positive. I think you can have more grip and mm. control stability, but then sometimes it can be at the expense of, a really dynamic ride on especially on more chilled out trails yeah what how do you, you spend a lot of time on a downhill bike ollie how do you think it compares between the two because we're getting sort of more similar in weight travel may be a bit different but that sort of muted feel and the momentum carrying for me feels sort of similar yeah i i, I actually quite quite like it so as although i do some enduros my main thing is downhill so it used to be i train on a bike that's 13 kilos and race on a bike that's 17 kilos so so i'd be go climbing onto something that's heavier whereas now the e-bike i mean i still ride the trail bike loads as well but the e-bikes now you're 20 odd kilos and then go back to a race on a 17 kilo bike so i actually quite like it because suddenly the downhill bike feels like the agile bike not the heavy thing that after riding you like trail bike kind of thing yeah um 
But as you can hear, I go across all three bikes quite a lot. And I think, though, although what Ben's saying is totally correct about them being heavier and less agile, less poppy, all those sorts of things, if you only ride an e-bike, all that goes away because you just get used to what the e-bike does. And I think a lot of people, I mean, they're quite expensive, right? So not everyone's going to have like an e-bike and a trail bike and whatever else. So I think they... um yeah, I think you just get used to it. And I, I like, so I do that. Sometimes I'll only ride my e-bike for a couple of weeks and then I'll go back to the trail bike and it, it feels really hard to ride the trail bike. I actually look at the trail bike as the negatives of it's too light and I can't keep it on the floor and all of these sorts of things. Mm. Um, and then I'll do the opposite. I'll go for the trail bike for maybe sometimes I won't touch e-bike maybe for a month or something and go back on it. And it feels like a tank and I hate it. Like if for the first ride, if I'm brutally honest, until obviously you've climbed couple of times really quickly and you're back to that that same sort of first e-bike ride kind of feel again um and then and then it's fine so yeah i think it depends on what your norm is is probably what i'm saying there like i don't have a norm because i ride the downhill the e-bike and the trail bike probably quite evenly um but i think somebody who buys an e-bike you'll just get used to it and you'll find it you'll find it a way to make it poppy you'll find a way to make it agile you'll find a way to whatever you need yeah that's interesting i was wondering what it because i haven't had the chance i've not had the bike very long and i've been every ride i've done i've done on the e-bike really just to get some miles on it so i've been wondering what it will feel like when i get back on my regular bike <laughs> like will it feel like super easy to throw around and like mega playful and like i can ride it super fast or am i going to be like oh, i quite miss the e-bike now yeah it's like you said at the start about how you were a bit nervous about getting on the e-bike and that was one of the things I remember when I first rode them is because I love mountain biking and I was worried that riding this e-bike would make me like my mountain bikes less. <laughs> <Sort of thing. laughs> you know, and I was, I was genuinely a bit worried. Um, but then, like you say, Ollie, as much as I enjoy riding an e-bike, there were periods like this summer where I didn't ride one for a couple of months. I just didn't feel like it. And I'm in a privileged position where I get test bikes. So, you know, I can can do that sort of thing but um yeah and then you do get nervous i think that you're never going to like pedaling again yeah. but then you do get back on the pedal bike after you've been riding e-bike for a while and <laughs> that first ride you're like my legs don't work basically it feels you feel so slow and there's a really good chance that if you try and manual or something that you're going to loop out your normal bike because <laughs> if you've been yanking on an e-bike you then get back on a lightweight bike and you can loop out so easily yeah but i do think that you then i really enjoy the feeling of that maybe a little more freedom on a trail bike to just lean it round and pop it and just do more stuff on it i guess yeah on, on the on special chilled out trails yeah, yeah. I, I do enjoy that feeling of going back onto the trail bike you made a distinction there between e-bikes and mountain bikes do you <laughs> see yeah. them as the same thing because i I must admit, I think I didn't, but my experience from riding one, it does, it very much feels like a mountain bike that someone's added a bit of augmented reality to that's just kind of mm. made it a bit ludicrously good fun. Like, not that other bikes aren't fun, but there's just something about the way it changes the riding experience that it just makes me chuckle to myself maybe that will wear off I don't know what what do you think do you think they are mountain bikes where do you see them yeah they I mean they're they are a mountain bike aren't they you still have to pedal yeah uh even though in boost 
I don't care what anyone says, it's really easy. <laughs> Some people try and tell me that, you know, you're still using it in boost. I don't know. I can I can go out in boost for a couple of hours and come home and then start training, if you know what I mean, in terms of fitness. Yeah. Um, different in eco and all the rest of these things, I'm sure, but um, if you've ever used eco. But um, the, <laughs> I don't think I have. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Yes, they, they are still a bike, aren't they? they? It's still the same pedals. It's still the same grips. Yes, it's a little heavier. Um, but, really, when you're riding back down, you soon forget it. I'm, I'm, yeah. You've only had a past few weeks on yours, haven't you, Chris? Yeah. But it's, it just feels like a bike, doesn't it? Yeah, totally. That's what surprised me the most. I really thought it was gonna. I was going to have to learn to ride this thing. And you don't. If you can ride a mountain bike, you can ride an e-bike. Mm. Like, similarly fast. I hadn't, I didn't put any kind of timing on what I did, but I felt out of the bag. I felt pretty quick on it. Like in touch, I would say with my normal mm. times down trails and definitely a lot faster up the climbs. But in, in terms of speed, jumping on that, I reckon uh, I haven't tested this properly, but I, they feel like you have more grip, don't they? Like you sort you of have. kind of feel more stable yeah. and you feel like you've got more grip. So you say to yourself, okay, I feel I can go faster on this thing. Um, but I think they go faster. Sorry, no, I think they're easier to go at 85, 90%, mm-hmm. but harder to go. If you tried racing it, if, you really, if you're a Strava user or a racer or whatever you are, I think that then the, the, a, a manual bike or whatever, an analog bike, um, would, be, would be faster. Okay, and, and and I actually did it at a race. I didn't I didn't use it for the race. It wouldn't have been allowed. But um, I was practicing for a race, and the first few I did on the e bike because I was like, well, I may as well just because it was a push up race. So it was although it was a down, it was push up. So I did the first few on the e bike to get just to like get a few laps out, test a few lines, kind of thing. As you would, and uh, which was cool. It was only a regional race, but which was good. But as soon as I then started like at turning it on, mm. I was like, ah okay, I needed to go and get the trail bike. and that. But that, that's the difference, I think, of when you turn into, like, race mode, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but I did think, yeah, up until that point, I thought, yeah, maybe you can take these things faster, you know? Maybe yeah. they are easier to ride what, at top speed. What do you think was driving that? What was holding the e-bike back at that real high-end pace? The most important thing to go fast is braking, isn't it? Braking yeah. at the right times. Um, like, if, you, if your body position's out and you're rubbishing actually making it around corners and you're not looking in the right place that yeah will slow you down but if your braking habits are out you may as well just pack up kind of thing in for racing and uh so for me it was like you've got this heavier thing that under braking wouldn't stop as easy so um and slowing down uh, in racing is like the most important thing. So you can then obviously exit fast. It's a simple thing. Um, so yeah, for me, I found it was just got a little bit too hard to handle. Maybe I just wasn't used to it. So maybe there was that, okay, if I tried going race pace on an e-bike, um, you know, for a few more months or something, then potentially yeah. I could. But yeah, braking was the main thing. For yeah. sure. A lot of them are getting the 220 rotors now as well, aren't they? Which mm. weren't really around a couple of years mm. ago. So yeah. maybe that's that's the one. I was yeah. going to say, do you think e-bikes are driving brake technology on a bit? Because they do, I mean, I've got the four-pot SLX Shimano brakes on this um, Marin and it's, they're really good. I was surprised. I thought I'd struggle mm. to slow it down, mm. but it's got pretty big rotors on and, you know, not even overly expensive but four pot brakes and they really work. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was having to slow down 
much earlier or much harder than I would normally. But I think my braking habits are also pretty bad. So that's something I need to work on. I think Ollie's, Ollie's brakes are probably a bit more binary than ours. Ours are, <laughs> ours are probably dragged and, more, you know, a little more yes. than they should be. Yeah, mine are definitely, yeah. Do you know what, actually, to play, to talk about that braking thing from totally the at the opposite end of the spectrum, maybe. So um, uh, my missus will use the e-bike quite a lot, to be fair. We'll go on rides together and it means we can kind of match each other up the hills and stuff, which is... Uh, absolutely awesome and another huge benefit um but she finds especially if she rides you know maybe a fast kind of blue or maybe red sort of trail center types and uh, uh trail that she'll find as well that that she it's going too fast so that's what she finds with the braking it's not necessarily just you've got this heavy thing you're trying to slow down but actually she's traveling too fast so she then has to use her brakes more. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she finds she's like dragging all the way down to go at the speed she wants to go. Mm-hmm. Um because the e-bike wants to get away. Um, so that was, yeah, different to me maybe as a racer, but I think probably the similar problem, that it's more the momentum of the thing that you're trying to then slow down rather than anything else. Yeah, that surprised me. Well, it shouldn't have surprised me, but it did. Like, I'd come into a section, like a sort of janky, rocky section. I'm like, oh, I'm not carrying enough speed to get through this well. Yeah. And you just let off the brakes and it just goes. Like, there's so much, yeah, momentum, I guess, there. Mm to help carry you through stuff it does it feels like you can get away with a bit more like bad technique into into those sort of sections for yeah. sure it's interesting though as well because then i know i was sort of you know agreeing with this and i was saying how my braking was wrong and everything but then i guess you if you think about just the body weights of different riders you see out on the trails and even you know let's look at the world cup let's look at laurie who you coach mm. It's probably 15 kilos less than the biggest dudes on the circuit out there, Maury Piron or whoever, who, I don't know who's the henchist <laughs> or the World Cup circuit, but, but it's probably 10, 15 kilos there, mm. which is more than the weight difference of you yeah. know, e-bike to pedal bike or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Do you know what? I heard this the other day and I totally, because it's like the, the, the total mass, isn't it? Like yeah, of, it's the total mass is the thing, isn't it? Totally with you. Um and, and I really, but it is different. Like, me, but it is different, isn't it? it yeah, it there's the, like the, bike. the bike is that dead weight effectively. Yeah. And it's not active. And obviously a hundred kilo person puts a hundred kilos of yeah. active weight through the pedals and everything. But yeah, you wonder how much different the braking is like for a, mm. a 60 kilo rider or an 80 kilo rider. Do they brake in at different points to hit the same corner? And then, you know that does that then apply to e-bikes as well? I don't really know the answer. But yeah, I no, just thought of it then. That's a that's a real good point, I think. And again, I think doesn't it just like anything comes from your norm? Like I said earlier, mm. if you have an e-bike all the time, that's just your norm, right? If you're heavier than the next person, that's just your norm. Um, so it's always, I suppose, it's always comparable to where you are at that time, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I, somebody said that to me the other day, and I was like, oh yeah. That's a really good point. <laughs> so from a coach's perspective, do you think riding an e-bike can help a rider improve their braking without even really necessarily being super conscious about that? Yeah, really good point. Um, it will make them realise they're going to have to, like it um, exaggerates the problem, I suppose, doesn't yeah. it? So um, yes, but I suppose it probably depends on what bike they go on. So if yeah. they, you know, if they like... If they're doing it on the on the e bike and they go back to the trail bike, then probably it's going to be out again, isn't it? So um, it forces you to maybe think about braking a bit earlier because mm, you have to to mm, slow the thing down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But they have got a ton of grip, so I think one of the things that's interesting. So th- this bike has got a 
some mullets up 275 rear but because you don't have to worry about drag really for the climbs you can they've you can have a massive grippy tire on the back mm. so not only have you got the weight which is also kind of low down which helps but you can put big sticky tires on and not really have to worry about dragging it up a hill mm. which is it definitely helps on the downhills right it gives you more yeah. grip and you can get away with a bit more yeah for sure i've i'm guessing you're running them as well ollie because i'm running the michelin dh22s at the moment the downhill tires on my e-bike and like you say they're super tough they're about 1400 grams each uh, but real, real tacky. You're leaving like a black streak as you leave, <laughs> ride across the car park, and and they would be hard to pedal around 30k on your enduro bike, you know, in the winter with all the mud and stuff. But on an e-bike, it's a dream, and the amount of grip because you run them front and rear on the e-bike, yeah, and yeah, it, it does give you that extra level of grip in the turns that you wouldn't probably have otherwise if yeah. you had to pedal them up the hill yourself. Definitely. Do you know what? I don't run the downhill tires on my bike. I okay. do. I, I've on the rear. I've got like the Michelin E uh, bike specific tire, which is like a two point six, like you were saying, a bit wider. Yeah. Um, and I think because I think there is some sort of uh, opinion out there that it's like I tell you what, it's a heavy bike anyway. Whatever, load it with heavy parts. Yeah, kind throw of thing. more at it. Whereas I've actually gone, okay, it's a heavy bike, so let's where can you like just tailor it slightly to try and get that poppiness that we were mm. talking about earlier. Um, I have, I know I have ridden one heavier one, to be honest. So yeah, like, and I think there is, you'd notice the difference in terms of that poppiness. Suddenly if you, it's just planted on the floor and it's got loads of stability, loads of grip, uh, doesn't bounce, which is good for many, many riders, isn't it? That's like, that's why it brings so many new people into the sport. Cause it actually makes just bumbling down a hill to use that term a little bit easier. Um, uh, but if you are a rider that's maybe a bit poppier, like I'd actually say, obviously risking of um, like slicing them and stuff, but run something slightly, slightly lighter. Slightly lighter yeah. yeah. Back it off a bit. Yeah. What about suspension settings? Have you found it hard to work out how to get them set up? Cause there's a lot more mm. weight and a lot more going on. It's funny. I, I, um, I was chatting to Steve Jones previously of dirt now, obviously yeah. EMBN. Um, I was riding e-bikes with him, I think, pre lockdown number one and uh and he was saying he, he honestly believes it's like you don't need the like as expensive fancy suspension and he's like half time i don't know what settings he's on and stuff which is and i can kind of echo that as well where it's like it's just easy there's like a broader range of workable settings i'd say i think that on the on my normal my mountain bike, let's just call it that for simplicity. On my mountain bikes, I think there's a narrower range of settings where the bike really feels good, but it's easier. There's a lot more either side of that on an e-bike, I think, where you don't need maybe the, the Fox factory fork. Mm. Like the one a couple of levels down um, is all right. And if you're five PSI high or low, or you're running it a bit fast or a bit slow, there just seems to be more workable range where the bike feels capable and pretty good is is my experience yeah that makes sense I, I, it does it is broader isn't it i think partly of that is because you don't care <laughs> I, I sometimes say i sometimes say this thing could have tassels hanging off the side of it and i'd still be happy because i just get to dock quick and i've got another run so i think maybe it comes a bit from that um but uh as well my journey through suspension with it is when i first got it i just ran it all a bit firmer like put extra yeah. pressure in the in the forks in the shock 
you know, rang more like 10 to 15% sag in the, in the forks, for example, um, uh, you know, rather than say 20 that, which I would normally run in my forks on my trail bike. Um, so like, yeah, I went hard, but actually in more recent times I've gone softer again, Yeah, but maybe not quite as soft as, but more in the ballpark of the trail bike and, uh, and find it all right. But I think that's cause I've probably learned to ride it slightly differently and l- ride it lighter. Whereas before maybe I was riding it like a heavy bike because yeah. it was the first time I'd been on something so heavy. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I had the same thing. I found that the, the suspension setup is less feels like it's a less important part of yeah. the way the bike rides in a way, if that makes sense. I wonder if that's because of that slightly more muted nature. There's a bit less feedback coming back because of the additional weight. I don't know, but I'm the sort of person that will endlessly puzzle over suspension settings on my regular bike, whereas this is pretty much set it up, rode it, and it felt pretty good straight away. I, I either got lucky or as a as a wider range, like you say, of yeah, where I mean, it works. Yeah, I, I'd really agree with that. I mean... Like I said, I've probably ridden a dozen e-bikes now that I've tested for wide open. And for most of them, I just just roughly set the sag, like, ish by eye, looking at it. I rarely get the the mirror, the um, mirror, the ruler out, sorry. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm like, yeah, she's good. Yeah. Right, off we go. And then, especially a lot of the forks are coming with the e-bike tune now. Because with the weight, a lot of the forks now will sit in their travel under the, you know, just a few mil, but the weight of the bike will sit the fork into the travel a bit, you yeah. know, and that's a good thing because, I mean, then there's less need for, like, your negative air spring and things like that because the weight of the bike is doing that for you. Um, and so I i don't know exactly, but I imagine that the e-bike tunes are just that little more progressive to allow for that weight. Yeah. Yeah, maybe they've got more tokens. but Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, they just seem pretty straightforward. And that's another thing that makes it accessible, I think. Yeah. You know, anyone can buy an e-bike and you're pretty set. (laughs) You know, you just pump pump out the shock and and off you go. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the reaction from other people because I've sort of, this bike isn't launched yet as we're sat recording this. So I've been hiding away a little bit, I guess, and just riding quiet places on quiet days. So I haven't really seen anyone else out on the trails, but you guys have been riding them a lot more than I have. What do you, what kind of response do you get from other trail users, other mountain bikers, people out walking on horses? Like what's the, yeah. What's the response been like? I think it probably depends how respectful you are to be fair. Like, cause at the end of the day, you can go three times the speed as somebody else uphill. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and as a, than a walker five times the speed you know so um, so you can be a bit of a hooligan on them to be honest um, which is possible so naturally you're going to get some reactions if you ride like that that aren't very positive yeah um, the normal reaction where you still whatever the weather you're going to be overtaking other riders quite quick <laughs> uh, uphill so the normal reaction we've all heard it people shouting like cheat and all this <laughs> sorts of stuff and 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 you laugh it off and it's fine i normally the route i normally see that takes is that the first time you overtake somebody that they, they sort of shout cheat and they kind of semi mean it and they don't really want to say hello the second time round it's like they're still on the first climb you know the second but you're on the second <laughs> your second go up and it, and they're like they're, at that point they they sort of saying elaborating on cheap but starting to make friends with you because okay it's cool like they know they're going to see me a couple more times. The third time out, they got their I guess checkbooks a bit old school now, isn't it? But they got the checkbook out ready to buy one of these things because they're thinking, hold on a minute, I've been pushing up this hill or pedaling slowly up this hill, and this guy's just lapped me three times, you know. So, 
I think, yeah, that's that's my normal reaction. And to be fair, it's probably similar than myself. Like the Forester Dean, where I work, is full of e-bikes. Like uh, I, I say, fifty percent now, maybe more, actually in the in the sort of main uh, Forester Dean area. And uh, and uh, yeah, I think everyone's just gone through that process of going. You know what? There's only so often you can get overtaken until you just got to get one of these things yeah. yourself. I spoke to someone who lives right in the forest the other day. She was saying that amongst the local sort of riders she reckons it's more like 70 30 to e-bikes could well be yeah everyone's just got on it once one person in your riding group's got one Mm. you're all screwed right Mm. (laughs) you kind of it sort of drags other people across i think because i mean i've been out on one bike ride with i was on a normal bike and someone else was on an e-bike and i was absolutely spent and they only had it on in eco mode i think Mm. Mm. yeah you don't want to be that person they do either (laughs) (laughs) unless i mean i guess yeah in a serious note, for some people, it might be what lets them carry on riding with the group that they were struggling to always ride with and they can keep them enjoying it. But yeah, if, uh, yeah, you're just punishing everyone because you're the only one on the e-bike. That's like, you don't want to be that person. It's not great, is yeah, it? It's yeah, not good I've been the only one on a trail bike before. They, uh, we, it was a group ride and they said to me, they said, oh, there's going to be three people on normal bikes and then the rest, about a handful of people on e-bikes. And I was like, well, okay, I'll just, I'll go with the trail bike because if there's other people on trail bikes it would just i think it's more i'd rather be on a trail bike if there's another trail bike put it that way yeah and uh so uh so i did it the other two no out the other three that were meant to be on trail bikes two didn't make it and the first one got a mechanical on the first on the first thing so after the first run i'm the only person left on this blooming <laughs> trail bike and then that was painful the other way but um yeah that's the thing actually i actually find my e-bike at the moment is still my most unsociable bike, I call it. Yeah. Okay. Probably partly because of myself, because I actually use it of like, just to go out and do my power hour or two, you know, and get loaded down, downhill runs in. And uh, even other people jump on e- who have e-bikes that sometimes do come with me. They're like, why are we going so fast? I was like, because you can. You know, I was like, we can go 15 miles now out the hill. Let's go 15 miles now. Let's get to the top and go again kind of thing. So, um so yeah, I think whereas if you want a sociable ride, you can mosey around and have a chat with somebody and that's all good, but I'll take the trail bike for that. Yeah. So yeah. No, that's fair. Like I don't know anyone locally with an e-bike, so I've got no one to go riding with on it because I would feel guilty. Like it's not it really is not fair. Yeah. I think to drag someone else around unless they're super fit because it's it's ridiculous. It's so you much. You get the benefit because then you're not going to get your five ex- extra runs. Yeah, and you're waiting. You're going, yeah, so you're just waiting at the top, getting cold. Totally. Yeah. Pointless for the non e bike. Unless you're going to be that friendly biker with a tow rope, you know. Yeah. Or the you know hand on the on their lower back. Obviously, with COVID, you can't touch your friends now. This is very <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you like it is like you said. It's a really good thing for people who are less fit or they have a reason why they can't get fit enough or they're just getting into riding or they're coming back from an injury like it can be a leveler in groups like if you couldn't ride with your mates anymore for whatever reason suddenly you've got this bike that allows you to do that that's awesome right that's a really good part of e-bikes oh do you know what uh, myself uh, my stepson and my missus will go for rides the missus will be on the e-bike towing uh, her son and then i'll be on the normal trail bike and it just makes it the perfect ride because even if we're all different amounts of time getting back down the hill, that's only 
if it's a minute, you know, it's, yeah. there's not a lot in it kind of thing. Um, but we can all just go up at the same speed. In fact, sometimes they still go faster, so I have to grab a shoulder as well, but <laughs> probably overloading it at that point. Yeah, that's cool for family rides. I'd not really thought about uh, it like mega. that. Yeah. yeah, it's mega. Yeah. yeah. That's a really nice thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the challenges, right? Because it's, it's a huge area of growth in the sport. It's bringing loads and loads of people in. It's reduced the barrier to entry of fitness, I think it's fair to say. It definitely hasn't reduced the barrier to entry of price because they're not cheap, but it's bringing a lot of people into the sport that maybe wouldn't have done it before. You know, it's, it's an, it's a exciting, expensive toy. Um, you don't need to be that fit. And it's maybe bringing people in that don't, they don't have a background in mountain biking. Maybe they don't have a background in the outdoors. And certainly with everything this year with COVID, it's brought a load of new people into the outdoors as well. And, and e-bikes is a nice, easy way in there. How do you guys see that kind of playing out? Have you seen evidence of, of issues coming from that locally or? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen a few bits firsthand and then I guess a few anecdotes I've read about and stuff. So I guess the main one is, is people who are new to, a local trail system or new to mountain bike trails and they're e-biking up the up what someone could be coming down right. at quite a pace because you know the at my local woods I've encountered that where before this year I'd never met anyone trying to pedal up these trails because you wouldn't be able to pedal up it yeah and you're bombing down they're pretty quick and there's an e-biker um usually uh, someone kind of like us, like a middle-aged man, basically, who maybe is new to it. And yeah, he's going up the downhill track and it could be real bad. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I, I guess I've read about and, you know, I, I'm quite outdoorsy in general as well. And, you know, I used to have my mountain leader and all that sort of thing is that in places like the Lake District and things like that, an e-bike suddenly lets somebody with very limited knowledge and skill and maybe without much kit for the outdoors it can get them real deep into the lakes or snowdonia without the means to then get themselves out if they have a mechanical if they fall off if the weather changes and they get lost because they don't have the right kit they can't read a map yeah and they're a lot further away from help than they would be if they've been walking or on a pedal bike yeah um so i think there is a that access type issue there as well where people need to just well apply some common sense and take responsibility for their own safety yeah um not always just assume someone's gonna help you basically yeah i guess those are all kind of like honest mistakes in a way yes yeah definitely and And i I don't want to sound like judgy like the outdoors is only for people with like (laughs) expensive jackets and like who've been on (laughs) courses and stuff but you know you need to respect the mountains and like this year it's been a bumper year for mountain rescue outside of uh, mountain bikes just because a million people have been up queuing at the top of snowden and walking up in bloody high heels and stuff and and like you know without any stuff and then the weather changes and you've got a load of hypothermic people on the top of penny van or snowdonia you know and all of that and and people just need to be educated so they can enjoy these places safely because yeah. we should all enjoy them, you know. Yeah, yeah. And there's, so there's a safety element, but there's also a respect element, right? Like mm-hmm. when I grew up, you know, trail access, mountain bikes were new and us appearing on all the trails that everyone had, had never seen a bike on before. It didn't really go down that well. And it's taken 
you know, the 30 years that I've been riding bikes. Well, that sounds like a long time. Um, for <laughs> that, yeah, for that to start to become to become accepted, and that as you know, there's been a lot of struggles with trail access. Things getting closed. It still happens now, but like ultimately, I think everyone that's grown up with that and that's got into riding, they they understand in general. Mm. There's some outliers, but they understand that we're lucky to be there. It's a shared access, and we need to respect that. We shouldn't be littering it. We should yeah. be respecting it and and being friendly and maybe slowing down when we're passing people and all that kind of stuff. And it, it, I think there's a potential for people coming in that maybe they don't have that background and they maybe don't have, therefore, that understanding and that respect for the environment that we're in. I do think as much as I love riding my e-bike that e-bikes are the number one threat to trail access for the mountain bike community, yeah. especially um de-restricted e-bikes which are becoming increasingly common and you know the brands are trying to stop it but the technology you can get on ebay from china and stuff is so cheap and readily available and yeah i think that yeah they're, they're the biggest threat to mountain biking and our access to land in the uk and beyond of, of anything else yeah and so you know i've called out friends and people i know who've had their bikes de-restricted basically i think if you de-restrict your bike you're a fucking idiot like i really do because <laughs> i've said that i don't care i'll I stand by it um yeah it's just selfish and just that classic i want more i want more like five minutes ago you didn't have any extra watts yeah you know you just had the watts in your legs and then we're lucky enough to get these amazing bits of kit to give us 250 watts and instantly it's not enough. I want more. I want more. I want it. I'm de-restricted. And then, then it, even though you do have to pedal it, it's then not really a, a mountain bike anymore. I know you're pedaling it, but if you're doing 40 miles an hour on a fire road, a walker doesn't distinguish between that and a mountain bike. Yeah, you yeah. know, they just see the same thing wearing the same clothes and the same pads and the helmet. And yeah. before you know it, mountain biking's banned yeah you were all tarnished places. with that brush right yeah yeah absolutely and it's only a matter of time before someone on a like de-restricted bike i think or or any e-bike that hurts someone yeah out on the trails it's gonna be a crash it's gonna be pretty yeah you're crashing into them with a lot more weight as yeah, well, yeah which yeah. is never particularly yeah impressive. or like whizzing past a horse or yeah, yeah you know or just running someone's dog over or something you know like it's yeah it's yeah. a real threat yeah. i think it is a threat and if there's i think it's a threat either even with non-e-bikes like with the sport's been growing massively not just during this covid year but over the past five ten years yeah. the introduction of enduro bikes has started this problem that you're talking about mm. um the with uh because they make it a lot more accessible for people to go and ride you know a, a, a mountain bike is very capable off-road for getting e-bikes at this point you know just the enduro bikes nowadays are just you don't have to be very good to just bounce down a hill kind of thing yeah and if you're remembering when you go downhill, you can go faster than an e-bike can when you're going uphill. So the, the challenges around crashing into walkers and all of those things, I think are still already there. I, I think the e-bikes have like raised, have sped up, if you like, the the amount of people that are getting into it, rather mm. like enduro bikes sped up uh, the amount of people going riding off-road uh, and riding mountain bikes, e-bikes are now speeding that up again. Um, so we just have even more. And, Again, I can relate very much to the Forest of Dean, but the forestry have a huge issue there because mountain bikes are almost like ants and they're just spreading and spreading and spreading. 
the forestry would love them to stay within uh, what is kind of kind of ponds kind of area, uh, which uh, then means that they can sort of manage it more. But actually, there's too many people. They're not going to fit in there eventually. I mean, the car park for one hmm. is uh, this year doesn't fit everybody now. Um, so uh, so it's going to constantly grow. So then it's about thinking about what the answer is. And the an- and it's not, again, this isn't just an e-bike answer. Yeah. It's like a general, like, there is land with hills on, and many people want to use them, isn't there, from mountain bikers, e-bike mountain bikers, walkers, <laughs> whatever you want to add to that list. Um, so it's about how that gets managed, like, mm. as a whole. Yeah. And and I was, I, I've raced loads up at Inalethan, um, but never until recently gone around the golfy and just explored the the trails there which may I add it seemed to be and maybe in the week i was there that there was hardly any bikes were <laughs> maybe a bit more hardcore up in scotland compared to the forest of dean um uh, but what they clearly had is a really well managed system infrastructure where it was like this is your bit of the hill mr mountain biker and e-biker goes in that category this is your bit of the hill walkers this is your bit so actually it was all like it was you do what you want that's your bit of hill build as many tracks as you want make them as fast as you want uh, i'm sure they'll have to be some yeah make them safe still but um but you know go for gold kind of thing rather than i think what happens in many other places is it's just it's a clash so it's unmanaged isn't it yeah yeah so you know the walkers are getting annoyed with the, the cyclists and the horse riders get annoyed that an e-bike comes fast, whirring away and scares the horse. And and there's no, there's, mm. it's, it's there's almost because there's no nothing managed. No, I hate to say it like rules. Everyone just thinks that they make their own rules in their own category. And uh, in this situation, e-bikes, we're making our rules. And that's where the problem kind of comes. Yeah. Where does the solution lie though? Because part of the, part of the attraction of the countryside is that it's kind of, relatively free from rules and it's not you don't feel like you're in a managed environment Mm. particularly which obviously is you know it's a lot easier in somewhere like a bike park so bike park wales i know now charge e-bikes more than a regular rider for a pedal up day which makes sense they're going to get more laps in they're causing more erosion on the trails all good right but once you're out in the Mm. forest and it's all natural and like where how do we resolve that because if we don't either people are going to get hurt or people are going to get hurt, and then we're going to lose access. <clears throat> That's a good... I don't I think... think the, oh, sorry, uh, sorry, yeah. I think the answers are the same as the answers, without going too deep, but in broader society where, you know, we've all talked today about horse riders and walkers and mountain bikers and e-bikers, but actually, you know, not having such divisions and everyone, everyone just talking to each other, you know, rather than being at extreme ends with, like, oh, I hate all horse riders or I hate all dog walkers or, and they're all like, I hate e-bikers and mountain bikers. They're all the same, you know, da, da, da. You know, that, that's obviously not helpful. And so it's, I guess, appreciating that, yeah, you're out in the outdoors and potentially someone does own that land, you know, whether it's a private person or the Forestry Commission and that you having those trails there, like, is a privilege in a way that we're lucky to have um, and to be respectful of that. And then also to yeah, to do your best to be as friendly as you can out on the trails, to slow down for people, to talk to people. Yeah. And I think a lot of places this year with the increased trail traffic, like of all types of people on the trails, there's a lot more like 
trail groups being formed to talk to like the local parish council to talk to the landowner yeah. to get together put up a few signs and say look hey all right like you say ollie we'll we'll just have our little tracks on this side of the fire road and keep out the way mm. we'll keep on top of the litter we'll make sure that you know we're not parking in front of your drive in the verges all the little things yeah. that annoy a, a community yeah um and let's talk you know I think that's the I think that's perfectly summarised and I think it's almost exactly what I mean by managed. Up in the Tweed Valley, for example, that's all it is, is it's somebody managing the communication between each of the users of the of the forest. Yeah. Um it, it doesn't feel managed as in like you feel like you're a bike park maybe where you know you have too many rules in that respect. It's more sort of rules of engagement, I think, which are the big thing. And uh and if they're talking then it's all good because you can understand everyone's perspective, can't you? You can understand the e-bike rider wanting to go 15 mile an hour up the hill, and that's cool. There's nothing wrong with that, is there? That's that's that shouldn't. And actually, even if it's a de-restricted e-bike going 30 miles an hour up the hill, if it was on an e-bike specific area, there's still nothing wrong well, with yeah, that. If, but yeah, there is a problem if there's a if there's a walker and some dogs and yeah. some children and stuff like that. So yeah, it's uh, that's what my info. I think you've summarised it really well in that, like making sure that they just talk to each other, um, and you need somebody though normally to manage that. Yeah, communication. Yeah, which doesn't always exist, or is not always an obvious person. Do you think we as mountain bikers have a a duty to, like, talk to people that we see that maybe aren't behaving in a way that's constructive for our long term access to trails? Like, do do we have a responsibility, whether we're on an e bike or a normal bike or you know out walking, whatever, to say, like, hang on a minute, that's not on. Like, Mm. can you just you ought to really slow down there or can you pick that litter up? Like it's not comfortable, but you know, we all want to have this access. Do we have a, yeah. Do we have a responsibility? Uh, where do, yeah. Where do we just, where should we stop? No one likes to be the trail police. No. Let's be honest. You know, even if yeah. the e-bike does come past a bit too fast or whatever is they're doing wrong, you know, you don't want to be the, the trail police, but there, maybe there is an element of that. It's about, it's down to like educating, isn't it? And the communicating, yeah. how do you make sure that everybody from all different worlds that are coming into our sport. Because that's, again, what eBytes is doing. It's, as we said earlier, it's bringing in many different people types and ages and whatever. Which is great. Which is awesome. Yeah, yeah it's like, it's brilliant. Like you say, from kid, there's kids e-bikes that are coming through now, isn't there? Which is, kids. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. E- but, e-balance bikes. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> what? Give me an, for real? Yeah, take for real. me back to being two or three years old and give oh me an e-balance God. bike, yeah. please. But anyway, I'll probably be a lazy <laughs> by now but anyway um but yeah i think that's it isn't it it's how you how it's um uh yeah you don't want to be the, the trail police but it's yeah, something's got to be said isn't it yeah do you think the brands have any level of responsibility when they're promoting these bikes selling these bikes to help educate new people coming into the sport i don't know that feels feels a bit pushy and presumptuous doesn't it i think i think a lot of people would push back against that but I do think that I think naturally conversations like this will happen like we're having in front of your audience now and like we didn't plan for this to go in this direction but we've ended up here and I think I'm sure on podcasts and YouTube channels and social media and websites this conversation is going to be repeated and the message will gradually get out there maybe maybe someone talks about oh did you hear downtime and they were talking about this you know and I think that's how it spreads a bit more yeah, naturally like that without being pushed. 
Yeah, yeah, fair play. I hope I hope that goes that way. <laughs> I guess it's just even more important now for us as riders to set a good example. Like there's no we shouldn't if we've picked up bad habits over the years, we need to stop that because if other people think it's okay to drop litter or to fly past walkers at a crazy pace or to, you know, not slow down for horses or any of that kind of stuff, then, you know, we're not setting a good example. So I suppose we ought to just be on our best behaviour. This is true. I think the problem is, and this is again, like anything in life, but there could be a million e-bike riders out there, all bar one, doing it right. And that one person who is going too fast past children, whatever it may be, doing it wrong, um, that then is what's highlighted. Yeah, yeah. And that, so yeah, it's yeah. like the, the wrong thing is noisier, isn't it? So then it almost become, it becomes a problem when it's kind of not because it is only one person or maybe a small percentage. So yeah, we can, we can all do as much as we want, but it's like the litter thing on trails, you know, <laughs> there's only, there's, I've never seen anybody drop litter, seen it, but right. I do see loads of litter out there. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And I'm out on the trails every single day. So, um, it must be very few that are dropping their litter, but it, it is a problem, isn't it? So it's um, it's probably 80, 20, 20 percent of people drop eighty percent of the litter. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> I bet it's ninety eight two percent. But yeah, yeah exactly yeah. that. It's, it only needs to be a small number. Yeah, interesting. All right. Well, we'll move on a little bit from that. Let's talk about some of the other, I guess, potential downsides of e bikes. Anyone have one breakdown? Yeah. <laughs> so well, you said yeah. first ride. Yeah. First ride about an hour in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh I like the fact we've just gone from the serious bit to e-bikes breaking down by the way. That's quite cool. The um yeah, I yeah, we, uh, everyone will have had one breakdown. That's okay. as simple as that. But uh, if you ask that question, have you had a bike breakdown? We'd also laugh and say cuz bikes the one thing that I would love to change in biking and I think which would draw more people into it. It was a little bit less faff, yeah. and 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 they didn't sort of not they don't break but break down. You know, like need people get shocked when you like have to change a chain regularly. You, what I've bought a five grand bike and I have to put a chain on after like three or four months or so. And it's like, well, yeah, you know. But it, it, so yes, these things do wear, yeah. and yes, they're going to break. And now we've got this new technology which maybe breaks down a little bit more because it's newer. Um, uh, being thrown into the mix and more technology, isn't it? So I don't know what your thoughts are, Ben. But. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Anything can break any time, can't it? I mean, the the first one I had is just comedy and I think there's assembly issue rather than an e-bike issue and the okay. crank, crank fell off going down the hill. So, <laughs> and that, that ended up in quite a good crash in a bush. But then I have had um, like a motor sort of electrical failure, basically, that then left me pedaling an e-bike for an hour. But it wasn't as bad as you might think and it you know wasn't miles away and it was only an hour mm-hmm. um but yeah i guess when that happens if you if you end up pushing your e-bike then yeah it's pretty grim not much what, what are your thoughts on um the cuz it's new technology to the user what are your thoughts on the fact that we might be actually causing a lot of these problems? And if I speak about myself, my e-bike's my just fun bike, you know? Like, my downhill bike will be pristine. Like, the settings will be perfect. We spoke about settings earlier. Everything will be on point. The the trail bike, the e-bike's like, throw it in the garage, rip it back out, and just go and hoon around the woods for an hour or two. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like that. So with that, I'll put my hand up to say, I don't think 
I probably do the right things. And it's electrical and I'm not, I'm like a bike rider, not an electrical engineer, if you know what I mean. So, and I, I, so I don't really think for me, maybe this is a bit too blase and a bit too honest, but I don't really think too much about how it's worked, how I should be looking after this thing. Yeah. I replace the chain and cassette a little bit more often, but like, uh, and on that note, actually probably the rear mechs go a little bit more regularly as well. But, um, um, but the actual technology of it, I, I think sometimes I take it back if I have, ever ha- do have to warranty it. Mm-hmm. And they, I reckon they look at me as if to say, you, sh- you should be doing something different. Right. But, okay. Yeah. So, so I, I do think there's more care and I'm, I'm using, I'm probably over exaggerating my example, but I think broader as well thinking of everybody i think that there's a there's a thing where we don't we don't really know how to care for this thing yet it just goes up and down and hopefully it won't break kind of thing i kind of think though that all the electrical stuff is tucked away inside internal and they're very specific that if it goes wrong you're not supposed to tinker around in there too much and and certainly my approach to like testing e-bikes is that when they're covered in mud, I bring it home and it gets hosed off like a mountain bike does. Now, I don't purposely spray a jet into the battery charging port. You know, I'm a little sympathetic, but it will get like sprayed with like muck off or whatever. Yeah. And, and just treated just like any other mountain bike. And I think they need to be able to stand up to that. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, apart from remembering to charge it and trying to keep dirt out of the charging port, I don't do anything different or sympathetic to the yeah. electrical side i just yeah it just where it, yeah where's drivetrains and brake pads quite a bit faster but um but i'm a spoiled test driver so, <laughs> so when it gets worn out i send it back <laughs> I, I was kind of pleased when i picked up the marin the first thing i asked was like do i have to do anything special with like cleaning it and looking after it and they were like no nah, just treat it like a normal bike mm, okay. so that was yeah. good because i was yeah. worried that you needed like a there's like e-bike specific cleaning products and I haven't, I like, nah, it's going to get hosed down. It's going to get some love. Like I'll look after it, but yeah. But then I've spoken to quite a few people actually that said their e-bikes don't, for some reason it's the, it's the one that doesn't get as much love as the other bikes. It just gets used and abused, mm. which is interesting. It's the hooligan bike, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah, they are a little bit. Yeah. I think <laughs> as well, like on, you know, it's been really muddy on our local trails recently. I think probably across the UK, it's been really muddy recently. And when you've only got an hour and it's really muddy outside, like it's a cliche, or it's becoming a cliche, I guess, but it's definitely true. The e-bike is the one you reach for yeah, because yeah. the, you know, the climb is a slog at my local trails on a wet day. Um, and you're like, if I'm going to go out and get covered in mud and have all that admin to do, then I want to get six runs in instead of two. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, I, I'm not much of a bike cleaner to be honest. They're always covered in crap, and fair enough. Yeah, it is yeah. what it is. Because also, if it's got a couple of kilos of dried mud on it, don't care because yeah. <laughs> it's an e-bike; you can it's carry it. Yeah, yeah. What about so backcountry? I think big backcountry adventures are kind of out, right? I wouldn't want to hike a bike it, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want that risk of either running out of battery or having a mechanical in the, I'm talking like proper backcountry, like Scottish Highlands sort of, what do you think? Totally agree. Although some are being sold as that kind of explorer type bike, aren't they? Kind of thing. But mine's literally my uplift vehicle. Like, and I always say like, and I have a couple of batteries for mine. And as far as I'd rather like have 10 batteries that may be a little smaller and I'd just straight up and down the hill and just like I say, get my runs done. Um, but I do know 
a lot of people, maybe not quite backcountry and hiker biking style, but who like to, you know, keep it in eco and go out for like eight hour or maybe six hour rides or whatever and spend their time like exploring kind of thing. So okay. I think maybe backcountry, no, but exploring seems to be these like a lot of them now you can get these like booster batteries and stuff for, can't you, and things. And so yeah. I think a lot of people are sort of seeing it as a way that they can maybe explore if not maybe to the level of hiker bike yeah. yeah i think we're being a bit unfair to them if we're like scared to ride too far away because we think they'll break down mm. i think yeah got- it's not so much that it's about being out like properly in the wilderness yeah yeah and having a heavy bike but then i back. guess you're you know if you do a simple sum of what your range is yeah like you can only get so far away because you know you've got to get back as well so let's say you've got a 50k range you can only be 20, you know, it could still be a long way away. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I think yeah. I, I use my e-bike bike the same way as you do, Wally, like as an uplift vehicle. Yeah. I don't do big backcountry loops and adventures on it and stuff. Yeah. But it's not to say that I wouldn't. It's just not really what my friends and I do. Mm-hmm. But I think there's probably a lot of people using them for stuff like that as well. Yeah. A lot of them now have got the, the resistance is quite low. So uh, the one I ride is the resistance is lo- low to the point where if you <laughs> go out from the van with it off, feels totally manageable. Okay. Just feels like you're pedaling a heavy bike. Yeah. You get onto something steeper and you start knowing it and yeah. you probably wouldn't do that for long, but it just feels like you're on a heavier bike. So, um, that, but if you're out <laughs> in boost and then it drops, you know, the battery goes or whatever, and you've got to pedal it back, it feels like a really heavy e-bike, like that you haven't feel like you should be pushing home kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they are, you can get them back now. I don't, I think if you run out of battery, like you said, I don't think anyone, I agree with Ben here, I don't think anyone should like worry that they're going to, that they're going to break down. Yes, they do. You know, you do need to warranty the, them that, you know, motors will go at some point. Um, so, uh, but the warranty is really, really good. Like any that I've, uh, had experience with, they've, they, they know that they're newer technology. So they're just, it's straight, it's very quick okay. for the experience I've had. Yeah. Um, so that's not a problem, but I don't think there's any, you know, you're not hopeful that you're going to break, not break down when you're out on a, on no. a trail. Um, but in terms of pedaling back that you can pedal them back now, I, I, I don't, I haven't ridden them all, but I think they're improving more and more with the resistance. So if you needed to saw the legs out and uh, <laughs> yeah you can get yourself out of trouble Ben can help you with that yeah yeah no that's all good so if I just ride an e-bike am I going to get fat what 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 are you having for dinner Chris those pies you got from Elliot Heat probably yeah. a whole, whole pile of oh, those oh man so good <laughs> happy days <laughs> so yeah this is the the one isn't it you know this one keeps keeps cropping up I mean there's it, different ways to come at it so if you're someone who's coming into e-bike from not doing anything before then you're probably not listening to this actually but you know to someone who's it's making exercise accessible well then they're doing something aren't they so that's a positive thing yeah where before they weren't and similarly if it means that you do an extra ride a week that you weren't doing before then again that's a positive thing i'm all about something's always better than nothing um if you're going from you know being riding mountain bikes and pedaling all the time to suddenly all e-bike, then I think that there's definitely a potential to lose some fitness there, depending on how you ride your e-bike and how hard you work and things like that. And I think that 
the thing that people find and that I've found when you do a lot of e-biking is that they really reward high cadence and spinning. Like that's where the power is. Now they are getting more torque now and that torque's coming lower down as well. But in general, the e-bike gives you more power when you spin and there's definitely that risk of losing that leg strength, that physical strength to push hard on the pedals that grinding up a steep fire road on a normal mountain bike gives you, you know, and that, and that top end sort of power. Yeah. Um, and also in a similar note, the e-bike really encourages you to sit as well. Um, unless it's a particularly technical climb, you know, people are sitting more and more to climb these days anyway on their enduro bikes with the steep seat angles yeah. and the, the rear suspension, the grippy tires. So people aren't standing as much anyway. But the e-bike takes that to a whole other level. Yeah, I was going to just thinking then, I don't think I've ever stood up. Yeah, yeah, you just like, well, there's a big steep slope there and you just put it in turbo and you just power at it and you like smash up a rock step or whatever and it will just sort it, it sorts it out for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Seat down. Yeah, yeah, up, <laughs> yeah, down, it doesn't matter, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and so there's definitely potential there. But if you, you know, prioritise your fitness or if you want to improve your fitness then you can absolutely do that on an e-bike and it like ollie said if i was a what for for a pro athlete whether it's enduro or downhill i'd put the e-bike as like the number one training tool above a road bike assuming that you live close by to trails so you can access them on a daily basis we'll talk yeah we'll talk about it as a training tool a little bit more but before we do that do you think there's anything else you'd lose if you just rode e-bikes like skills wise or so you think a bit of strength potentially, but anything else? It definitely depends in terms of like carrying on the fitness thing. And obviously Ben's a professional in that world. Um, but in terms of that, like just hearing some people that get them, it, it totally depends on what they do. So I know some people that they say there's a group of them, two or three of the chaps um, have now got e-bikes. Um, they don't, they haven't adjusted the amount of rides they do. Um, and they apparently those two or three that have got e-bikes have put weight on. Simple as that. Because yeah. at the end of the day, they did have a trail bike. They were doing their two rides a week or whatever it was. They now do those two rides on an e-bike and they've put weight on. Yeah, There could be other factors, as Ben said. They may have changed their eating habits or whatever. Yeah, their pie but, supplier might have changed. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So so there's that kind of thing. Um uh, I, from my personal experience on it, I, I, again, as I said earlier, I ride the trail bike and the e-bike both regularly, and I actually find it's absolute. It makes my trail bike riding more efficient, so I find it easier on the trail bike because um, when I do my trail bike rides, I've got slightly fresher legs because I maybe did an e-bike ride yesterday, so I can make more of that trail bike ride, whether it's a sprint session or whatever it may be. My legs are fresher. So I, I actually like it because I'm not just constantly burying myself into a hole on a daily basis, um, whether that be for training or for skills training, for like the gravity-fed stuff. Um, yeah, that I can yeah I can step into it and, and the trail bike riding is better. So as, as Ben said, it just depends on who you are and what, you know, again, you can turn them off. That's the thing you've got to remember. Flick it off. and I think, yeah, if you're the sort of person that generally looks for the easy way out, you're probably going to lose some fitness. If yeah. you're the sort of person that is interested in being fit and wants to work hard and isn't shy of it, mm. yeah. that an e-bike's not going to stop you like carrying on that 
yeah, like you say, turn it off, turn it into eco, whatever it happens to be. Totally. You can what, still get fit on one. Yeah, what the e-bike gives you is it gives you a broader range that you can work in. You have more control over your level of exertion. Mm-hmm. So you can work a lot. You can work just as hard on an e-bike as on any other bike if you want to. Yeah. But you can obviously work a lot easier. <laughs> um, you know, your heart rate could be a lot lower for a lot longer. Yeah. Um, compared to on a mountain bike where unless you want to get off and push, the only way to get up a hill sometimes is to, to graft a bit. Yeah, yeah. Whereas now on the e-bike, you can sit there like texting on your phone, chatting to your mate, you know, <laughs> like whilst you, whilst you're pedaling up the hill. Um, so you've just got a broader range and as much as we joked about it, you do have the different modes, you know, and I'd encourage anyone who's maybe riding more and more e-bike to use, do some eco mode climbs sometimes, you know, I know, sorry, I got, <laughs> I got, you can't see, but I've got some funny looks across the has room it, here. Has it got an eco mode? Eco mode, yeah. Heard of it. <laughs> it's like <laughs> sticking a Ferrari in eco, isn't it? Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like you've got all that and then you're going to try and save fuel. But um, every now and then, I do think it's worth like feeling a bit more pressure through the pedals, you know, yeah. working the legs a little harder do some climbs in eco mode, stand up and do some climbs. And also, you know, if you really want to work hard, then you can like push the pedals on through past that, the speed limiter. And then, then you'll really feel some resistance and get some good work in the yeah, legs. Yeah, definitely. Basically. When you sprint into a track and then the speed limiter. Comes. Yeah, when it cuts out and yeah. you're pushing against that, it's like, oh, hello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that sorts you out. Definitely. Um, and it hits you when you're already quite fatigued. If you've sprinted into the top of a trail yeah, and yeah. you're still sprinting hard, you're already breathing and going. Yeah. And then suddenly you get all this extra resistance. So, and yeah. uh, But I think conversely, I mean, we've talked there about how it's easy to be lazy on the climbs. I mean, if you are doing two or three times as many downhills and, you know, the bike is heavier, then actually then potentially it's positive for the, I mean, I can't quantify it, but for your upper body strength, you know, and I do think that, you know, if you're going to be riding a lot of e-bikes, then your upper body strength becomes a little more important. Yeah. You know, certainly the force you need to like manual it and to pump it. Um, I, I wish I knew a way of, of measuring it, you know, because I feel it and I talk to people and we agree that it is harder work on the upper body. Um but yeah, I don't know by how much. Oh, but really yeah, say, yeah. I was kind of thinking. I know you're quite engineering, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking about the way like a a stages power meter works, where there's a strain gauge and a crank. And I wonder if you could put a strain gauge on a handlebar of an e-bike and a, and a normal pedal bike, and yeah, and can. then that will tell you how much you're putting into the bars because that's obviously proportional to the the weight of the system. I would think so. If what I'm saying is true there'd be more greater strain on your bars when you try and manual an e-bike to a normal bike because you're trying to move a bigger weight and things. Yeah, I think and I, then I heard somewhere there's a strap that will, you can put around your muscle that will somehow, like with some kind of optical sensor or something, look at blood flow through the muscle, which gives you a feel for how hard the muscle is. Okay, goes. so you could compare and yeah, do back-to-back might, runs. I and might stuff. be a million miles off there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. If anyone <laughs> yeah. knows of this technology, get in touch. Currently yeah. Googling it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so I do think there's, yeah, potential there for a positive thing. There's, yeah. you know, upper body strength and then, yeah, yeah. then you should feel real solid and strong on your normal bike. But having said that, again, if I go back around, I'm sorry, mm. and, and maybe Ollie has seen this with the skills thing, is that 
I've definitely seen people who look like total passengers on their e-bike where they've just got all this big bike, they've done plenty of laps, they don't have the strength and the fitness for it and they're just like holding on for dear life. They don't have the physicality to really properly get on top of and ride that bike. Um, and I don't, yeah, I don't know if yeah. you've seen that as well. Uh, do you know what? And the thing I was thinking through that, is, and one thing that you asked Chris was about the skills you lose, wasn't it? As well yeah. as the fitness you lose and things like that. And, we, and we've been talking a lot about the climbing side of things there. And uh, it because it's easier to climb, you don't have to, the things you don't have to use as much when you climb are your core and your glutes and where any of your leg muscles. And as we were just talking about there, pulling on the way. So you don't have to use as much strength. Uh, but that also then links to kind of balance and skill, doesn't it? So also you don't, for climbing, you don't need as much skill. You just kind of turn your legs very lightly and it will take you to the top kind of thing. So uh, there's definitely skills of climbing, I think, that, is, that will get lost. Yeah. Although some people probably don't care about that, right? I've I've quite enjoyed really technical climbs on it and it's a whole new world because a i'm not a massive fan of climbing and i'm not particularly good at technical climbing but like you say it makes most climbs pretty easy because it's got momentum it's got mm. power it just helps you up but yeah you can find some pretty horrific stuff and be like, oh, i wonder if i can get up there and then if you can do it in one mode then you just change mode and it's another new challenge, right? Because the way, way that works. In here, I think you're enjoying the climb because you're going faster and it feels more like a descent. <laughs> yeah, probably. So, so the woods near me, sorry, I just had no, to jump true. in. The woods near me, there's a, there's quite a bit like flat uh, sort of single track as well, which I never use, well, I rarely use on the, my trail bike. I'll just go along the fire road to get to the descent. But uh, recently I've been going along it on the e-bike and it, it just you've just put these extra few cranks in on the flat in between some of the turns or the root sections or whatever, you're back up to 15 miles now, which is suddenly in downhill speed category, isn't it? Yeah. An uphill speed category. Yeah. So it's the, it's fun again. So it, you, you, you don't need as big a hill <laughs> is probably what I'm saying. there. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. It is probably an adrenaline thing, right? I mean, yeah. I'm enjoying it because it's a bit edgy and I might crash. Well, I have crashed it uphill on more than one occasion, which is not normal, right? I don't normally go out and crash uphill very often. So yeah, but yeah, I like, I like the fact that there's multiple different modes as well to like, can I climb it in boost? Can I climb it in trail? Can I climb it in eco? So yeah, I've kind of enjoyed that quite a lot. One of the other things that I really like is it, I feel it enables me to ride a mountain bike more often. So I follow your, um, your complete MTV program, Ben. And uh, obviously there's rest days and there's um, kind of low effort, uh, kind of aerobic rides, longer rides, more gentle. Where I live, it's pretty hilly and riding a mountain bike off road is really, really hard, especially at my level of fitness anyway, to stay aerobic. And so those rides I can now do on an e-bike and it means I can throw some fun trails in. I can get out in the woods rather than going out on the road bike which for me is a lot more fun. So I'm enjoying that. And also, you know, you can, you can do a pretty gentle recovery ride on one, stick it in boost, potter around, and you can still go and have a little play on some trails or whatever it happens to be. Yeah. So I, I feel like I'm, I'm getting more mountain bike time in my life, which is, can't be a bad thing. Yeah, I agree, mate. And, and I think that crosses like between all different levels of rider from beginners up to like some of the pros that I coach and things like that and how valuable a tool it is because you've got that level of control where where you said Ollie you can do an easy e-bike day and then feel really fresh the next day but on the e-bike day you can still be 
accumulating skills you can still be working on improving as a rider to ultimately be a better racer or whatever it is that you're working towards yeah um and so the e-bike just gives you that that freedom to you know go as easy or as hard as you like basically and while still accumulating that uh number of laps or whatever you want to call it you know descending time yeah you know whether that's for skill or for conditioning your upper body or your grip and your hands, you know, if you're going to be, if you live in a lot of the UK, your biggest hill might be a hundred meters near where you live. And then you're going off to the Alps soon. Well, you know, an e-bike is a really good way to prepare for that because you can go and get way more descending in and that density, if you like, of descending in a given amount of time to try and at least do something to prepare your hands and your arms for, going to Morzine or something yeah it's still gonna hurt but oh yeah for sure <laughs> but it's <laughs> it's still gonna batter you yeah but you know if you can go it's the same it's the same as I'd suggest to anybody before you go to Morzine or something you go and get a couple of uplifts in the weeks before just to get the hands and the body ready yeah um just don't kill yourself yeah let's talk about the skill acquisition side of things then because I mean no doubt you get a lot more like you say a lot more descending done which makes them great for people who are time poor because that's quite a lot of people these days work kind of gets more and more into people's lives so yeah if you're short of time e-bike is a great tool to get more fun riding done but yeah from a skills acquisition point of view there must be a good thing even the climbing element right 100 uh, and building actually a little bit of what ben was saying there um the just talking about myself actually so i will use what i like about it is i can do my e-bike riding and then i can do my training so you separate so we've all been there if you're a racer where you're trying to get some gravity miles and you're trying to do the session that your trainer and such as ben will have given you and you're trying to sort of put both in and actually there's almost too much because you're going to be your descents you kind of aren't going to be the best you'd maybe be not it's good to train tired sure but if you wanted to train some skills then you're going to be more thinking about recovering your heart rate than you are be will be uh, your skills. Your sprints are not going to be perfect because you'd be going up a boggy or climb that might put your heart rate or your power at the wrong point that somebody such as Ben has asked you to do. So both are compromised, right? Whereas um, with the e-bike, for me, I just go, right, I can go out, I can do my gravity-fed stuff, not think about my fitness, and sure, your heart rate's up a bit, and that's cool. Um, and then come home, sit on the turbo, and do your hour on the turbo, do your sprints and whatever, and that you can control it with your watts and you can kind of package it a bit better. Mm. Um, so that's for me. But, you know, the biggest thing I see from my experience over the past few years of people having e-bikes is definitely been um, the speed that they will improve in between sessions um, uh, when if there's somebody with an e-bike versus somebody without. Fact. I would say, I mean, okay, that is my opinion, sure. But uh, uh, it, from what I see, from my experience, from what I see, the people imp- improve more. And I mean, it's pretty obvious that they're just getting more time to practice. They're getting more, or even if it's the same amount of time, they're getting more runs, time yeah. on the bike, whatever, yeah. uh, to practice. So when they come back, I can see, you know, if they come back a month later or a couple of months, whatever their regularity is, I can see their jump and improvement um uh, real big and 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 actually there was there was one uh guy a coach and he i hadn't seen him for probably six months when he first got the e-bike we couldn't find a date to match and all the rest of it 
and uh, and his jump was massive. And he, and and this is like, should I look at me and go, crikey, should he not be with me more often? Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, but the answer was he had his e-bike. He had all of this uh, understanding and practice during the session, but he had the practice after the session, and that was the biggest difference. Um, so yeah, definitely the more time equals um, uh, more time to practice equals um, you know they're going to improve quicker. Yeah. Um, then there's like in the session. So if I do an e-bike uh, training day where and, and I don't really advertise at the moment like e-bike specific training days because come on an e-bike or don't it doesn't bother me. You know, just let me know because I want to yeah. bring my e-bike kind of thing. But and when we do do them, the again the amount you can get done um, is higher. But as well, the thing I can then change is we can do more full runs. Yeah. So on training days, to, for people to get their value out of it, we'll generally do shorter sections. You know, I won't ride much. I'll be on the side and watch people come through, you know, like a 50, 100-yard piece of track, and they'll push back up or pedal back up and redo that section, which is still done on e-bikes. But what you can do more of is, uh, you know, you can do a bit of that, and then you can go and do three, four full runs, following them quite easily, um and seeing them put it into practice not just over four or five turns but over however long the track is kind of thing yeah so that's the biggest change i can make i would say in how i can deliver the coaching yeah um as well as then like the experience they get i think they think they're getting a bit more value for it to be yeah, honest that's fair enough i've found myself sectioning trails more since i've had it to be fair because it's so easy to get back up mm. like i find something I'm like i didn't ride that very well why like pedal back up maybe have a little look at it scoot back up do it again and like yeah just hit that on repeat until i get it how i feel like i want to just because it's like i don't feel like i'm losing anything like normally when you do a run you're like well i don't really want to break the flow i don't want to stop because it's like a slog back up and i don't want to waste this run whereas it's so easy to get back you're like well i'm not bothered that didn't go well hit the brakes pull off scoot back up do that bit again and i think for me and i'm pretty limited experience really it's only a few rides but like I definitely feel like I've progressed certain elements of my technique just purely from that. Do you know, do you know what? Like, so I um, am no motocross rider, but I've had bikes over on and off over the years. But I always, whenever I get one, I'm always see myself as brand new to it. And even when I have it, whenever I go out, because it's long to periods in between, I just feel like I'm a new starter every time. But the thing I would love about the motocross is gen- generally, well, a lap is, depending on who you are, only a couple of minutes. Yeah. And then you're back at that same corner or jump two minutes later, yeah. or however long the track is. But So I think that's what you're saying there, aren't you? That you can just be back doing that corner again within seconds almost yeah, or, yeah. or, you know, very quickly. And you can remember the thing you did wrong. Yeah. Um, and, and I found my improvement in motocross, again, going from like nothing to a little bit, but... Uh, the curve was always very, very quick because of how quick you could be back doing exactly the same thing. Um, so yeah, completely relate to what you're saying there, yeah. uh, Chris, with that get back to the turn or the same section again. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Do you think your riding's come on as a result of riding e-bikes? Yeah, I think so. I think that, yeah, it's it's it's, all, it's so hard to like put a finger on it. I do think there's something to the braking side that when I first rode them it really got me thinking about my braking and yeah trying to be a bit more on off with the braking uh, and you know early setup turn it in all the stuff that I'm sure Ollie teaches and <laughs> trying to get people to do all the time uh so I think that's the main the main thing for me I I think as well that 
again, going back to the weight thing, which seems to be like the thing we always return to with the e-bike. Um, and, you know, the weight's down low, but then the weight goes all the way up the, the down tube with the battery for pretty much all the bikes and stuff. And then maybe they've got heavier kit on. Is that there's naturally just a, that bit more weight on both tires, obviously. But in particular, although the weight is back, there's still more weight on the front tire than maybe normally. And I just think there's, there's that's where some of the stability comes from is I think a lot of the time, one of the things that a lot of people struggle with, including myself is to, to really commit and weight the front wheel. Yeah. Uh, like we're all guilty of that and we've all pushed it out because we're not on top of it. And I think the e-bike naturally weights the front wheel um, a little bit more than your normal bike might. And it just gives you a bit more room for error to just be quite smooth in turns to like just set up and just like carry a nice solid line around the turn. Yeah. Um, and I do think as well that something I thought about over the last couple of years is that I'm just under five foot 10 and I, every test bike ever ride is a large pretty much. But then with some of the e-bikes, I've actually ridden a couple of medium e-bikes because it feels like the weight and that forgiveness in your riding position that the weight gives you uh, means I don't need quite the stability of the long reach and everything. Okay. And then I've quite enjoyed sizing down on a couple of bikes to medium because then you get a bit of that playfulness back maybe that you didn't have on the longer bike. Yeah. And so I felt just as stable because of that low down weight and that extra weight on the front tyre, but I can make more of a shape and chuck it around. And again, it's I can't like prove it. It's just something that I feel... And certainly if I were going to go and just buy an e-bike and commit to it, I'd I'd really think about the sizing. Like if I want to go for that size large, which has probably got like a 470 or 480 reach or something, um, like most modern trail enduro bikes, or if actually for the riding I do, if I'd have more fun on it and still be probably just as quick on the shorter, like a 450 reach or yeah. something. Yeah, that's a whole nother debate, and isn't there's it? There's a whole think, podcast yeah. right there. I'm like deliberately not saying anything right <laughs> now because I have so many views on bike size and it's untrue. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know what you mean. Stabi- I have to say, oh no, I said I wasn't going to say anything. Stability versus agility, all we ever, it's a bit like when we used to speak about making bikes stiffer and now everyone's going, oh no, hold on, we want a bit of flex. It's, it's a bit like we're chasing stability and it. it's like big wheels, wide bars, long bikes, slap bikes, yeah, longer yeah. everything, lower everything. It's just chasing one thing and we've forgotten about agility. Yeah. So you need stability and you need agility and yeah. some riders need more stability and some riders need more agility. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. And does save a, that for another and one. Does a, stable, <laughs> uh, does a stable bike that you feel comfortable on then let you be more agile because you've got the confidence to do it? Now, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Who massively knows? complex. Yeah, yeah. Because right? that small bike that's supposedly agile, if you don't feel confident on it, maybe you can't be agile on yeah. it. Mm. Let's talk about some yeah, of the sorry. some of the riders that are actually agile. So there's a lot of World Cup riders now we're seeing on e-bikes. Is that you know cynical hat on? Is that because brands want to promote them and they're getting the the World Cup guys to ride them and put it all over Instagram and social media, or are they finding real value in them as a training tool? And I guess, Ollie, you've got some level of insight into that. Uh, I think value is what I'm hearing from most people. Um, uh, like I say, I'm not 
quite the level of the rider you're talking about, but I use mine loads and the people that uh, uh, I speak to once they get them. And most, most of the riders that are on brands that don't do e-bikes are pretty gutted. <laughs> That's the, pretty much the answer. Okay. Yeah, that, or, like, or they have to try and find a way, if you yeah. know what I mean. But, um, yeah, if you, like, it would matter, I think, having one because you're just going to get more done, especially if you take... I mean, off-seasons for mountain biking actually are quite long, to be fair, and like some other sports, but um, so there is quite a lot of time. But the guys at the top are having to train a lot, <laughs> so they're fatigued a lot. Yeah. And and there's that like, well, should I, you know, and I'm sure Ben hears this all the time, but okay, I've just missed those couple of training sessions because I did an uplift day or something like that, you know? And I'm sure any trainer would encourage that because bike time obviously is really important. Um <laughs> but imagine if you could have both, I suppose. And yeah, does the yeah. e-bike allow both? Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. It's not downhill bike time, as in setting up and preparing your race bike. Um, but is it is it bike time, gravity fed, and not impeding on your training? Definitely, absolutely. And and you can also, you know, if you really want to get into the weeds of it, um, no, it's not going to be. Well, I'm sure there are out there, but it's not going to be like a 200 mil travel downhill bike. But you you can get into the weeds and make it so it's the same bar height and mm. you know and things like that and it's the same wheel size and you know so the crossover is as as great as possible um and, and something that i believe in broadly for like developing a rider is what i call sort of building your like riding vocabulary and that comes again you have to be in a fortunate position, but from riding as many different bikes as possible. Like you say, you've got your trail bike, your enduro bike, your e-bike, um, you pump track on AIC, you on the BMX track or the pump track, your BMX, your road, like whatever it is, bikes, 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 bikes. And all of those different bikes all bring a little extra, a little more depth to your riding vocabulary. And then the more in depth that is, the, the more you've then got to then, apply it like to the racing and yeah. then so right now yeah i'd be like e-bike loads e-bike loads ride pump track skate park cross whatever it doesn't matter but then obviously the closer you get to the season the more time you need on your race bike whether it's your downhill or your enduro bike or whatever um because then you're absolutely honed in and those top racers their level of familiarity with their bikes is unreal isn't it like they know exactly what it would do and like we all heard Greg Minar like changing his stem height two mil and like, Oh, I can definitely feel the difference and stuff, you know, that's real. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's how I'd look at it. Interesting. You nearly went down the bike size thing again. Yeah, yeah, I know, need to stay out of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think we're on a trajectory where at some point everyone will have an e-bike or everyone's only bike will be an e-bike? Uh, from speaking to some of, Customers of mine, I don't think so. Some of some of the everyone was, you know, a hater of twenty ers and then everyone sort of came around to the fact that it's twenty nine. Most people were a hater of e bikes, and then as soon as you ever go on one, you, as we spoke about earlier, you buy one. But there do seem to be some people, and I there's, there's a guy I was chatting to the other day, and I was like raving about the something to do with an e bike, and I saw him. He didn't really say much, but he just sort of went. I guess not saying much was saying a lot, and I was like you're not still a hater, are you? Because he loves riding, loves like downhill, like gravity fed riding. And he went, and he was like, yeah, like massive hater still. 
and and his and his group him and and his group are still massive haters. And I was like, you enjoy riding, yeah? It was my question to him, and he and he was like, yeah, but and and most of it comes seems to come down to the type of person that one percent of people that maybe we were speaking about that's wrecking it for others. I think yeah. it's almost like the stereotype of some e-bike riders is what seems to be putting him off. That and the rawness, I think, the, like, mm. I pedal and I yeah, earn my yeah. pedals yeah. And, and that's fine. And I and that side of things I totally accept. I think that's absolutely awesome. Um, but I was still like, yeah, but you pedal, but you still love the riding back down. And, and I think he he's somebody who could afford to have an e-bike as well as, as a trail bike. Um, so, yeah, so there's still the, I think there's still the haters and mm. there probably always will be a group that won't like them. The challenge will be is whether we end up going to one bike. Yeah. As any bikes get light enough, you know, if they get down to 17 kilos, 16 kilos, suddenly you're only a kilo or two out, then you can have one bike, you know, and I don't, I think there's some brands maybe doing it, but like this whole thought of like being able to even remove the motor and the battery and then you've got your, your regular bike, your regular yeah, bike, yeah. you know, so is that as good for the brands? Cause at the moment they're probably happy they're selling. Yeah, two, for sure. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but, um, yeah. so yeah, they're only they're only going to grow, but yeah, the answer I think there's there's always going to be the haters, okay. people of the raw mountain, yeah. the raw cyclists. Yeah, and I get that, I totally get that. Yeah, Ben, you've ridden some of the newer generation sort of lighter bikes that are yeah, a bit yeah. lower torque, a bit less mm. assist, but with that the benefit of lower weight. What are your initial thoughts? The initial thoughts are that yeah, I definitely like them. Uh, the assistance just feels like. An extra, uh, it's a. I think one of the brands uses it as a marketing term, but it's it's like you twice, you know. It kind of rather than your full power e bike, which is like next level power, it just gives you another one of you effectively, mm-hmm. um, which is obviously still quite a big difference to go up yeah. a hill. But on the way down, you'd be hard pushed to tell difference as long as the geometry is good between that and and a normal mountain bike. You'd really struggle to tell. Yeah. Um, I mean we are talking a couple of kilos and it's a couple of kilos low down. So maybe you get a bit of that stability we talked about earlier, but yeah, they're, they're a really interesting proposition as well, because we were talking earlier about who do you ride with? Because if you're on one of those and the other guys are on full power bikes, then they all need to be one mode lower than you. If you want to ride with them, unless you're a machine. Okay. Um, And similarly, obviously if you went riding on, on your low powered e-bike, your lightweight e-bike with people on normal bikes, you're still going to smoke them, yeah. you know? Um, so it is like its own little thing. Like who do you ride with other people with those bikes? Well, maybe you know someone, but not many people have them yet. Cause they're so new, or maybe it is that little equalizer that lets you ride with your mountain bike buddies when you've just been just struggling and just getting dropped and enjoying your riding less. I think it opens up that, um, but yeah, or like me, self-employed and stuff, I quite often ride on a school day and there's not always anyone around. I don't care, I just ride on my own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no no mates because I've got my e-bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I See, I haven't ridden one of these low-power ones and there's something in me that really likes them, but there's also this side of like, at what point do you just say, actually, just don't worry about the battery and the mm. motor? You know, I just, like, we've been for a lot of this kind of buzzing about the fact that you have quite a thing that goes really fast up here and you can go overtake people three times uh whilst they're pedaling at once on a normal bike 
suddenly you go to a bike that maybe you're only overtaking them once or not even once. I don't know how light we go and how low power we go. Did, what's your thoughts on that, Ben, in terms of like, actually just get the not get the stock bike out? Yeah, it's uh, it's just what you want from the riding, I guess. Yeah, I think yeah. maybe it'll be more appealing to the e-bike haters or the people who are like, oh, I'm just not ready for all that assistance. They still want to feel like they're working a bit harder. Um, or maybe the people like you were saying earlier who want to go a bit further into the backcountry because actually the battery is small, but because of the reduced power, the range, if, you, if you're if you a light body weight, the range is really surprising on these bikes, yeah. how far you can go. And you could put it on your shoulder and climb up yeah. a trail with it. And pedaling uh, it with the battery. And you the, could, yeah, you could turn it off. it off and pedal it. Yeah. And it's literally a, a kilo or two heavier than like, a big enduro bike, yeah, yeah. you know, that's it. So, so then it opens things up in that department as well. Um, so yeah, they, they're just another thing where no one needs any of this stuff. No, yeah, no one needs it. They're just fun to have. And we're all lucky that we're getting to ride them and enjoy them. Yeah. Um, it's another great toy that if you're yeah, yeah, in yeah. a fortunate position, to have yeah. one then they're a great thing to have around right yeah that's a very good point cool well it's been really interesting chatting and getting your thoughts on everything e-bike i'm certainly looking forward to spending more time on it and seeing how that skills acquisition kind of accumulates and transfers back over onto the trail bike and uh, hopefully makes me a bit faster coming into next year so yeah thanks a lot for your time it's been super interesting and uh, yeah we look forward to seeing how e-bikes and that side of the sport grows good cool. to speak to you Yeah, cheers, Chris. Cheers. 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 All right, that's it for this episode with Ben and Ollie. I hope you've enjoyed listening and it gave you something to think about. A massive thanks to Marion for supporting this episode of the show. As you know, Marion have just launched their new e-bike, the Alpine Trail. I was lucky enough to have the E2 spec of the bike for a month and I loved every minute I spent on it. It's incredibly competent on the gravity side of things and pretty much feels like a downhill bike. On the uphills, the Shimano EP8 motor really helps spice things up, enabling you to tackle crazy technical climbs or just smash out two to three times more laps than you normally would do. If you want to find out more, then just head to marinbikes.com. Also, a massive thanks to We Are One Composites. If you're keen on a set of their awesome carbon wheels or bars, then for the month of December, you can use the code SANTAGIVES20 for 20% off. That's an awesome discount, so head to weareonecomposites.com now to check out the full range. That code again is SANTAGIVES20. That's SANTAGIVES followed by the number 20, all as one word. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show, then you can grab yourself a t-shirt, sweatshirt or hoodie by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. You know what to do by now. Please keep on spreading the word about the podcast. The more people who listen, the easier it is for me to keep this thing going. It really is that simple and I massively appreciate every single one of you who spreads the word and shares the podcast around. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up soon, but until then, get out and ride. (laughs) 